Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We're in our series, This Is Our Story, and we're picking up with... Dr. Scott did an amazing job last week. Was that amazing? And how many of you were here Saturday? I heard it was off the chain. He preached or spoke for five hours, and uh, it was just amazing. Uh, We've been looking at the life of David, and we're going to continue that today. I just want to catch you up. Remember, he was anointed by Samuel to be the next king, and then he went back to sheep. Then he serves in Saul's court as the worship leader. Remember, the king had an evil spirit, and they brought in David because he was a very gifted worship leader, psalmist. As many of you guys, if you were here yesterday, I mean, he wrote all these psalms. And so he would, he, and then he'd go back to the sheep. And then he would serve his brothers on the front lines food. He was the first DoorDash, Uber, you know, Uber Eats. He'd go, as Dr. Scott said, uh, he'd go back and forth from the front lines as Israel is facing the Philistines. And then he'd go back to the sheep. Y'all, y'all, y'all see the pattern? Back to back to the sheep. So I want you to see something. Though he was anointed to be the next king, he goes back to the sheep. Though he's serving as a worship leader for the king, he goes back to the sheep. And then he's going to serve his daddy's house by serving his brothers. And then he's going to go back to the sheep. Wait a minute. I thought he was anointed to be king. Yeah, here's how God works. God anoints a man first, then the test that's not how we do it. You go to school, you get the test last, right? Before you get the, before you get the grade. In the kingdom, before you get the position, you got to pass the test. Or you get the anointing, and then you got to pass the test. So I, I, I see people all the time, I'm, I'm anointed. Yeah, okay, well, now let's, let's go through the test. And so that's what he's, what he's doing. And then, of course, we know he's going to slay a giant. Right, we, we learned that last week from uh, Dr. Scott. Get the podcast if you missed last week. It was awesome. He's going to slay the giant. People are going to begin to say things about David. Right, so he's anointed. Just think if you're Saul. This dude got anointed to be the king. And now he's just slayed a giant. People started writing music. They started singing about him. You talk about, this is, he, this is like Justin Bieber when he came on the scene. David. He's Mr. Popular. He's handsome, ruddy, good looking. Reminds me of myself a little bit. Anyway, that's a jerk. Back in the day. Uh, and so he's, he's, here's, here's a song the people are singing. Saul has slayed his thousands, but David has slayed 10,000. Now just think if you're Saul and you're hearing that on the radio. Well, they're singing what? And so, and Saul's already insecure. We've already covered that a few weeks ago about his insecurity. Saul has a son named Jonathan. Jonathan and David hit it off. In fact, they love each other. They're best friends. In fact, they're actually gonna enter into a covenant relationship. And you can read that in 1 Samuel. You can read that about where they, they exchange gifts and saying, back in those days, covenant, would, would, covenant was life. 
Covenant was ride or die. This ain't like, hey, yeah, as long as everything's going good, we're gonna ride or die. No, this was, we exchanged gifts and we said to one another, no only death could separate us. I want, I want what's, covenant means I want what's, what's best for you. And the other one says, no, I want what's best for you. Covenant says, if you win, I win. Covenant says, if God elevates you, then I, I'll rejoice with you. It, it says it back and forth. The closest thing that we have to it in, in nowadays is a marriage, a covenant. By the way, if you were married, you were actually entering into a covenant, not with just your spouse. You were entering into a covenant with God that you would say, rich or poor, sickness, health, till death do us part, God, I'm going to stay with this woman. No, some of you need to hear that. And it's back, and it's back the other way from Heidi to me. And it says, no, I want her to win. As long as she's blessed, I'm blessed. That's the kind of relationship David and Jonathan had. Who, Jonathan is Saul's son. Who's supposed to be the next king in Saul's mind? Jonathan, that's his boy. That's legacy. My name will always be on the throne of Israel. Remember, we discovered that Saul was not intent, God's intention to be the first king. It was only God only relented because the people wanted a king like other nations. God had a shepherd boy he was gonna raise up to be the king, but the people couldn't wait. Oh, listen to me, those who wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. And I'm gonna talk about waiting in just a moment. So they, they, they couldn't wait. And so they got this king. And now God is elevating and raising another one. Saul comes to, Saul's nuts. His insecurities eating him up. He, he's, he's, already, he's already been warned by the prophet. I preached the message on him. He's been warned by Samuel when he didn't utterly destroy the Amalekites like God told him to. He disobeyed God. Do you remember that? And now he's, there's another. So Saul comes up with a great plan. He's gonna try to kill David. I can't read all of it. I can just tell you, he's already tried to kill David several times. And I'm going to just pick up one of those times where Saul is going after David. And I'm gonna take you to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 24. And I'm gonna read verses one through 13 and make a few comments because I gotta hurry. Watch this. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of Engedi. This is important. Engedi was a place where, where, where shepherds would take their flocks. It was a place of, of where, where there was water. And if there's water, there's food. And if there's water, there's food. There was also caves and where they would have sheep pens inside the caves. That means cutouts where if I had sheep, I could take them inside a cave at night and then put them in a cove and then I could watch them and protect them. It, 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 there were caves everywhere. It, it'd be, just so you'll picture this in your mind. Have you, anybody ever been to Las Vegas? Okay, all right. And did not sin? Okay. So they call it Sin City. I mean, there's a hotel. It's just like nothing but hotels. I mean, just think of that. Just cave after cave after cave after cave. And so they were, t and David's hiding. David's got 400 men. I, I, that's a whole nother message, the 400 men. It was the, it was the disenfranchised, those in debt, those that were discouraged. It was all the D words. It was all, if you had a D, depressed, discouraged, in debt, 
that's who joined David, which is a representation of Christ. All of us came to Jesus in debt with a debt we could not pay. And so they find David and they're hiding in these caves in En Gedi. So Saul takes 3,000 of able young men. These weren't just able young men. These are 3,000 of his best soldiers. This is SEAL Team 6. And he's going to En Gedi to find David. Israel set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. That's those caves with the coves inside. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and the Bible just, I'll just, the Bible doesn't cut out anything. Saul went in to relieve himself. He, he, he had to go to, to, to it's just, as you th- just as you're thinking, he had to go take care of business. The Bible just keeps it real. So it, I love this. David and his men were far back in that cave. So think about it. He's, he's surrounded by his guard. And he says, men, stop here. I got to take care of business. Now he walks into a cave. They just stand on the outside of the cave. So he's in there by himself taking care of business. And we'll look what happens. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day that the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. This is the day we've been waiting for. Remember you told us the Lord will deliver your enemies into your hands. This is it. It was a promise that God, had, that David had shared, that God had given David and he must have shared it with his men. This is it. Then David crept up unnoticed and he cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, this is important. David, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done that. No, no, what are you talking about, David? This is it. This is the day. I'm conscious. Have you ever been conscience stricken? Have you ever been, I shouldn't have said that? I I, I shouldn't have done that. Y'all just saw me earlier, didn't you? To Heidi. I shouldn't have said that. That's conscience stricken. No, we, we use different words, don't we? I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit just convicted me. I should not have cut off the robe of his, uh, or corner of his robe, or a piece of his robe. And so, and you imagine his brothers going, hey, no, no, man, don't, don't, don't do it. Do it. This is the day, man, you've been anointed king. This is your opportunity. Can I, can I, look at me right here. There will always be people who will encourage you to do the wrong thing. Just... If you're going to be a man of God, man, can I talk to you for a second? If you're going to be a real man of God, there will be people who will encourage you to do the wrong thing. I'm telling you, on your way to hell, there will be people that will agree with you. Oh, yeah, you're doing the right thing. Keep on, keep on going. Watch, he said to his men, watch what he says. He's going to correct his men. Now, this is a man. This is a God's man. The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master. 
the Lord's anointed or lay my hand on him for he is anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. Oh, come on. This is what most of us would have done right here. You know what? I'm not going to do it. But if you men feel led, go on ahead, take care of business. With these words, he rebuked his men, did not allow them to talk, and Saul left the cave and went on his way and never knew, ever, ever knew David and his men were there. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, my Lord, the king. When Saul looked around behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? What does that mean? That that means Saul had men around him going, yeah, you need to get David because he's going to kill you if you don't kill him. He's, Saul's doing just the opposite. He's listening to the voices instead of rebuking the voices. Some of you need that right now because you've been listening to voices that you should be rebuking and you've been rebuking voices you should be listening to. Says the Lord. Why do you listen to when men say David has been on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in this cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. Okay, everybody look right here. I I want to just... What does that mean? What is that? Don't lay your hands. People say that all the time. You gotta be careful. Don't lay your hands on the Lord's anointed. And, and that is true. But what, what, what it does mean, David is just saying to Saul, I will not kill you. I am not going to kill you. I will not kill you. I will not harm you. That's what he's saying. Now people use that verse because you'll hear that verse in today's language. You'll go, hey, don't lay your hands on the Lord. What does it, not, what what it does not mean. It doesn't mean you should never speak out or speak against a leader or a pastor, which I are one. What do, what does, no leader, what does it mean? No leader is above biblical evaluation and accountability. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There have been men in this church who love me, who have pulled me aside and said, Pastor Eugene, you shouldn't say that. Pastor Eugene, that doesn't look good on you. Pastor Eugene, I'm sensing a little bit of pride. Pastor Eugene, I need men in my life that will love me enough to be honest with me. That's not not what this verse is talking about. Are y'all with me? I just want y'all to know I got to answer to Jesus just like you got to answer to Jesus. And there may be times I need to receive something from you just like you need to receive something from me. Are are y'all checking with me? Because we all want to please Jesus, right? I I spent three hours the other day with a brother. I said, look, man, look, I want to please two people. I want to please Jesus and I want to please that woman. 
right there. And, and I, I messed up earlier, but I'm, 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 I'm trying to make up for it right now. Uh, <clears throat> I, I want to I please her. And if I please those two, I'm good. Can I get an amen from the men? Come on, Hollis. You said amen? I couldn't hear you, brother. Okay, I got you. All right. Please, please note, we're not, we're not, we're not talking about what the song choice was. We're, we're, we're talking about doctrine. We're talking about issues of conduct, biblical conduct and doctrine. Those are the things we're talking about. There have been people who pulled me aside and said, Pastor, you, you got that wrong. You, what you just preached, there was one little error in there. The, the last time I remember, I think it was in this, I, 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 I said the wrong number of Jesse's sons. And somebody said, oh, it wasn't seven. He had eight sons. I go, oh, my bad. But thank you. I correct that the next service. Thank you. Then I went back there and checked to make sure they were right. And they were. I said, my bad. Y'all know I'm not perfect, right? Okay. All right. Watch what verse 11. This is important. Don't lay your hand on the Lord's anointed. Verse 11. See my father. See my father. Look at this piece of robe in my hand. I coulda. I coulda. You can imagine, where'd he get? I, I, I coulda. See this robe in my hand? Oh, I wonder what Saul was thinking at that very moment. A piece of robe. Does that bring back any memories? Do, do you remember? We're going to go back. I'm going to rewind, rewind. Chapter, 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 chapter. Samuel coming to Saul. The Lord said, utterly destroy the Amalekites. Every one of them. Woman, children, goats, best of nothing. Utterly destroy. And remember I told you that was a matter of justice. Because what the Amalekites did to Israel when they were coming out, when they were vulnerable, they were slaves. And they came and started killing women and children and their stock and robbing from them. And God said, justice will come to the Amalekites for what they did to an indefensible group of slaves leaving Egypt. And he was going to use Saul to do it. And now it was payback time, vengeance from the Lord. And Saul didn't do what God said. He kept the king, Agag, remember? And he kept the best of the sheep and the oxen and the goats and he kept all the best of. And then he, then he made excuses when Samuel confronted him. Why didn't you obey the Lord? Why did you disobey? Oh, I did. Remember he said, I did obey the Lord. I did. And Samuel said, then what is the bleeding of sheep that I hear in my ears? And he says, oh, no, no, no. Here, here's what rebels do, right? Rebellious. Oh, it was the, it was the men. It was the people. And, and then, then you get real Christianese about it. And, and they brought them back because we were going to sacrifice them to the Lord. Oh, you lying. You had sacrificed nothing to the Lord. You just got busted. And he says to, and he says to because of your disobedience and... He, and you know, he, he rebukes him and he walks away, Samuel, the prophet. And while he walks away, Saul reaches out and grabs his robe 
And Saul and Samuel keeps walking and rips it and leaves him with one little piece of his robe. What do you think Saul's now thinking? I got this robe in my hand. The last time I saw a little piece of robe, it was when the verdict came down over my own life. Lord has ripped Samuel said as he ripped that robe from him just as you ripped my robe today the Lord has ripped the kingdom out of your own hand and is giving it to one that is better than you and now he stands on the mountain and goes look I could have done it I cut off the corner of your robe but I did not kill you See, there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. Watch this. I love this. All listen to me. You you know anybody that would love to take you out? Love to take you down? Love to get you fired? Watch this. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Oh, let me, let me connect that to the New Testament because it says the same thing in a different way. It says it in Romans 12. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Do you believe that? No, no, do you believe it? No, you got, you got to believe it. Okay. I don't think we always draw these connections because b- bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment is going to be the thing that keeps most Christians on the sidelines for fulfilling their purposes in God. And if you can't buy into this scripture to go, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't have to get back, become bitter or resent because God will repay everybody for what they've done. Good or bad, he will repay everybody. And I don't have to repay them or be mad or resentful of my daddy. I don't because he'll take care of that. I just got to make room so God can have his opportunity. Look at me. It would be worse for that person that you've been mad at for God to deal with them than it would be in your hands to deal with them. So why don't you just go ahead and release them into the hands of God right now. Somebody needs to release somebody because you've been drinking the poison, hoping God that they would die. I'm going to drink the poison because Lord get them. You're drinking the, the bitterness and unforgiveness. Release them. Forgive them in Jesus name. Are, are you picking up what I'm laying down? Okay, I just want to make sure you're picking it up. Watch this. He goes on. He says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. 
Oh, tomorrow morning you're going to get the opportunity because you got to go back to work. I know your boss is full of the devil. I know he is. You know what you need to do? Stop by Mesh's Donuts on your way and just bring them to him. Just say, I just want, I just appreciate you. Whole time he's trying to fire you. He's trying to get you out. You bringing him Mesh's Donuts. What are you doing to him? Oh, (laughs) I'm just going to do what the Bible says to do. I'm going to create room so God can now come and take care of it. Because I've been wanting to take care of it myself. Instead of going, no, 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 I'm not letting letting this be. Are you all tracking with me this morning? Okay. I love this. I just don't know. I just don't know. I just... You ever heard that? The Lord won't give you more than you can handle. The Lord just won't give you more than you can handle. Uh, I love this. This is Mother Teresa said, I know God will not give me anything I can't handle. <laughs> so he gave you a baby. <laughs> Come on, girlfriend. I hear you. Listen, I, Mother Teresa said, I know God will not give me anything I can't handle. I just wish that he didn't trust me so much. <laughs> can, can anybody? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scrap half. To, I'm editing right now as we talk because i got to land this plane. You, 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 you ever heard, wait on the Lord? You ever heard that? You just need to wait. This is important. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. That's a, that's a, we say that. Those who wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll become, they, they will walk and faint not. Those who wait on the Lord. But there's another There's wait for the Lord. Wait on the Lord or wait for the Lord. What's the difference between wait on the Lord and wait for the Lord? There's 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 an on and there's a for. And how do you know the difference between waiting on the Lord? Are you waiting on the Lord? Are you waiting for the Lord? Because our this congregation this morning, there are those that you're waiting on the Lord, and then there's those in the congregation that are waiting for the Lord. What's the difference? What do you what's wait on the Lord? Wait on the Lord is when you don't know what to do. Lord, I I, I don't know what to do. So I'm gonna wait on you. I'm gonna pray. Uh, it's with prayer and supplication. It's Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I'm clueless. I'm not sure what I do. Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I say yes? Do I say no? Do I move forward? Do I stop? Do I, do I, do I retreat? Do I enter in? Do I not enter in? I'm, I'm not certain. I, I, so Lord, I'm just going to wait on you. I'm going to wait. And Lord, so I'm just going to trust you. You're going you're gonna to speak to me. You're going to give me direction. And when I get your direction, I'm going to wait on. Everybody track with me. But what's wait for? Well, wait for is where you've already gotten the promise. 
you, you've gotten the promise from God's word. You, you were waiting on, and then you got the wait for until the fulfillment of the promise. I'll give you the example in David. So you got David, right? He comes in, you got any more sons? Yeah, there's one out watching the sheep. Bring him in here. This is the one. Pours the anointing oil on him. He's anointed to be the next king. He's 15. He got the promise. Now he's not waiting on the Lord anymore. He was waiting on the Lord while he was out there writing music and watching sheep, waiting on the Lord. Lord, I'm yours. I belong to you. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'll do it. And now God gives him the promise. No, now I'm going to anoint you. And now he's got to wait for the Lord. Are, are you, do you know how many years it was before the anointing to the actual coming in 1 Samuel, or excuse me, 2 Samuel chapter 1? I mean, most, most believe it's about a 17, 15, 20-year period. You've got everything from giant killing to playing music for Saul, now to running into caves, watching watching Saul relieve himself, all of this running from him. He's not waiting on anymore. Now he's waiting for the Lord. David knew something. If I take Saul out to get me to be king, then I'll have to take others out to stay the king but if don't clap yet but if I wait for the Lord to place me where he said he was going to place me then no man alive can remove me only God can remove me are y'all picking up what I'm checking what are you waiting are you waiting on are you waiting I love Psalms 27 and 14. Here's David. He writes music again, isn't he? Oh, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait. Oh, this is somebody's word today. And wait. Ah, We don't like waiting, do we? Wait. See, When you wait on, it's prayer and supplication. Lord, what do I do? Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting till you tell me what to do. I'm waiting, Lord. I'm waiting for your call, your destiny. And then when you wait for, what does that take? It takes patience. I wish there was another way. I just do. Come on, let's, patience. You're ready to leave right now. I said, I thought he was going to wrap this thing up. (laughs) He said he was wrapping this thing up. He ain't wrapping it up. Patience. Faith. 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 Patience. I'll add courage. Well, that's missing today. Just courage to wait. I know what God's promises are. 
I, I think of our church. I think of setting up and breaking down. I think of it. I think of going, man, we, we were waiting on the Lord. And then we got this property, man, and then we were waiting for the Lord. No, Lord, it's all in your hands. Don't know how long it's going to take. Patience and faith. There were days I was discouraged and you encouraged me. There was a day you were discouraged and I was encouraging you. There was a day we both we were going back and forth, lifting each other up until you go, no, now we're walking in the fulfillment of whatever what God had promised all along. And it was his plan from the very beginning. Before the creation of the world, this was just a field. It was just a field and it's always been a field. It's, I think they grew some stuff on the field, but it was just a field. But yet he had other purposes for the field. He wanted something here from eternity until the fulfillment of it. Waiting on? Or are you waiting for? And so I want to pray for you. Did you ever see this word today? And if you're waiting for, just hang in there. Don't be discouraged. If God's given you the promise, if he's, put, if he's poured the oil on it, then, then you don't have to make it happen, which is our tendency, isn't it? We're going to shortcut it. We're going to get there quicker and so, because we just need patience and faith, and I'm praying that for you. And if you're waiting on, I'm going to ask that the Lord would give you a clear word from heaven that he would give it. So whichever one you are, because you're one or the other, you're waiting on or you're waiting for, would you lift your hands with me right now? I want to pray for you right now. Father, we receive your word today. Thank you for David who lived a life of of, of waiting on and then waiting for. And so, Father, we learn for our brother, our, our distant cousin in the Lord. Thank you. So I pray, Father, for those who are waiting on you. Father, you said those who wait upon the Lord, you would renew their strength. So renew it right now. In the name of Jesus, renew their strength as they wait on you. I pray for them. For those who are waiting for God, they've already received the promise. They're standing upon it. Your promises are yes and amen. And we know, Father, that we may not see it today, but you said faith was the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. And so, Father, we just lift our hands and begin to thank you for it. We give you praise for it. We give you glory and honor for it. We don't have to have it in our hands to say thank you for it. We know it's coming. So we say thank you in advance. Thank you, Father, for the perfect gift that comes from the Father above. We just say thank you for it. We stand knowing it's going to come to pass. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And Lord, we trust you with the timing. Your timing is perfect. So we thank you for it. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. It belongs to you. You're the only one who deserves. And we thank you. We receive your word today in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give him the Lord some praise right now. Thank him. Every head bow, every eye closed today. Maybe you're here and you're far from God. There is a promise. God said he was going to send a savior, and he did. His name was Jesus. He lived a sinless life, never sinned, not once. Though the scripture says he was tempted just like you and I were, yet he always chose the right thing to do. He was a perfect man. He died. Oh, he was, at, he was offered before the people to be released, but the people wanted him to be crucified, and he died. Why? To pay, the scripture's clear, 
to pay for the sins of the world, yours and mine. There was a there was a religious man who came to Jesus in the middle of the night. He didn't want anybody to see him. Every head bowed, every head closed. He didn't want anybody to see him. And so he came in the middle of the night and said, Jesus, what must I do to uh, receive eternal life? And he said, you got to be born again to see the kingdom. You got to be born again to enter the kingdom. Born again. That's the words he used, born again. The, the, the teacher asked, I can't go back into the womb of my mother. How is this possible? And he said, that's born of the flesh. I'm talking about born of the spirit. You must be born again. How do you do that? You got to first admit that you're a sinner. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Repentance is the only way you access this forgiveness. You got to repent. You know the way you're going. It's the wrong way. As, as Pastor Meyer mentioned, you've seen the blinking lights. You felt the blinking lights. You've seen people wave their arm at you and you just kept going and you got the scars to prove it. And you're here today because you're at the end. Man, you're not at the end. Maybe today you're at the beginning. Maybe today's the beginning. A brand new start. Being born again. Maybe surrender your life to God. To go, I'm going to do it his way now. I've tried it my way and this is where it ends up. And now I want to do it God's way. Surrendering your life to him. And if that's you today and you're ready, all you have to do is be, believe. Believe. Put your faith and trust in him. Believe. And then see, confess him as Lord, which means to make him the boss of your life. The boss. We all need a boss. We all need someone that has ultimate authority over us and can say no or yes to us. And I don't know of a better one to surrender your life to than to Jesus. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's here today to forgive you of everything you've ever done. If you'll repent, and if that's you today, you're ready. You're going, I mean, in fact, your Holy Spirit, you feel like your chest is about to explode. That's the Holy Spirit. And I want to pray with you. If you're ready to receive Christ today, to be born again, I want to pray with you and for you. Would you just lift your hand up all over this room? Hold up high. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, daughter. Thank you, my brother. Congregation, can we add our voice to theirs? This is not a magic prayer. This prayer doesn't do it. It's the cry of your heart. I'm just going to lead you and let your heart cry. Would you say this? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go, and that you rose from the dead to give me a place on heaven purpose on earth and a relationship with the father so today lord jesus i repent i turn from my sin to be born again in jesus name amen amen let's give god all the praise congratulations